Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a daily podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Welcome back, and thank you for joining me again for another episode. You know, today is Thursday, and it's really it's really an amazing kind of Thursday because, again, I am like clawing to the end of the week. And so you know the kind of weeks you have when you're just like, please let it be Saturday or please let it be um, Friday night or something like that. So it's one of those weeks. But, you know, I'm getting there. And like I said yesterday, at the end of um, a fiscal year, it just can be very stressful for me to kind of like just pull it all in and get to the end of the year. So I'm truly looking forward to um getting through today and tomorrow will be very 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 good um and then one more week of this before um we can celebrate the new fiscal year so it's that type of stressful time but today I wanted to talk about um the really really it's the idea of sacrifice and discipline as it relates to your finances you know and I want to start it off by telling you guys a little story and it's more so it's a story meant to un- to help understand why discipline and sacrifice is really and truly the pinnacles and the importance of when you're going to actually get towards your financial freedom. And the story goes a little bit like this. Um, it really starts off with a, with a person who kind of was speeding. My sister uses that word a lot. She's speeding. People are speeding. Um, who was speeding towards a goal of um, of where she believes she belonged, Right. You know, at, at this point in my life, I want to own a home. I want to drive a luxury car. I want to have all of these things. And so, and her and her earnings were taking her in that direction. It was like, you know, every year she was earning more and more and more. And she was at the point in her life, I think she was maybe 45. And she said, listen, I should own a home. I should drive a luxury car. I should have all the luxurious things that I want. And I should be able to have those things without kind of consequence because I've worked hard all this time and I make enough money. And I think at that time she was making collectively probably about $150,000 and living in a place that wasn't that expensive, meaning it wasn't like New York City or L.A. or Chicago. So at that point, when you live in a place like that, I mean, even a city like Atlanta, if you make $150,000, you're kind of like a millionaire. So it's it you can do a lot more than you can in these big cities. And so she she lived there. She decided she was going to buy a home. And here's the part of the story I want you to pay attention to. When she went to buy a home, she could afford, technically, meaning by on the book, she could afford a house that had four bedrooms, three bathrooms, wraparound driveway, you know, gated community. She could afford that. But she was a single person. so She didn't necessarily need a house that big, right? But she could afford it. And so instead of buying a house that would have suited her, two-bedroom house, small, you know, house that she could afford as well, but that would have just made her, would have been good enough just for her, she went with the maximum because she felt like, well, if I can have it, I should have it. We get back into the thing about people wanting and deserving things as it relates to finances. So she felt like she deserved to have the really big house with the wraparound garage and, I mean, wraparound driveway and the whole shebang, four bedrooms, three bathrooms, you know, a deck, this and that, and all these things. So she bought that house. But then when you buy a house that big, you have to furnish that house. And so she started furnishing that house. And, you know, she she didn't furnish it with the things from here, there. She furnished it from the highest ends of places, bought this couch, that couch. And again, you have a lot of space. You have to buy a lot of furniture. And so she did that. And that 
she did on credit because at this point she was newly into owning a home. She said, you know what? I have really good credit because in order to get the loan, she had supreme credit and great earnings. So she was able to get that. So she started to build up credit card debt, but it was no big deal because she was going to, um, she was going to pay it off because she had the money and, um, she started to buy furniture for the house and buy things for the house and started to shop more for herself. She had freedom that she had never had before. And so she was able to shop and buy and do and have things that she had never had before. And there was, when things got tight the first time, she said, you know what, I'm going to take out a personal loan and I'm going to pay off these debts because, you know, I don't need to be worried about having bills hanging over my head. Got the personal loan to pay off the debt and the personal loan she used to pay off the debt she didn't use it to pay off the debt. She used it to incur more things. And then she had the personal loan she had to pay back and she still had the debt. But it was still okay because she made enough money and it was, but things were starting to get tight. And this is over the course of a year. A year later after that, things are getting really tight because again, now you're becoming, your, your credit card utilization is high and your credit score is starting to drop and you don't have as much access to getting credit as you, as you did once before personal loans are not going to come now you need to help get yourself out of this tight bind she needs to get herself out of that tight bind but she couldn't because she couldn't get any more loans because her credit started to suffer and then when the credit started to suffer and she couldn't get out any more loans and even again we're talking about a person who makes 150 160 000, and in this time had gotten a raise um all of the household bills plus the luxury car plus all of the credit card debt plus the personal loans that were supposed to use be used to pay off the credit card debt all started to roll together and what started to happen was you were seeing uh a a, a basically an avalanche coming and so in within a matter of two and a half to three years she went from having supreme credit so much surplus income that she didn't know what to do with it to living paycheck to paycheck barely able to make it on all these bills having her credit score down in the like 500s and unable to pay all of this debt that she incurred so now she will be facing the opportunity of having to potentially lose her house because you or her or have all this credit card debt that's there she's going to be sued or the idea of going and filing for bankruptcy in three years because there was no perspective on what what should have been what no 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 view on just because you can't afford it should you buy it no discipline as it related to credit no discipline as it related to spending and all of that stuff comes due the bill always comes due the sacrifices will always need to be made and so you know it's very easy for things to spiral out of control it's very easy for things to kind of snowball and everyone thinks it takes a really long time. It never takes you nearly a much, as much time to fall from that as it does for you to climb up it. So it may take you two years to get yourself in a financial hole, but it can take you six months to fall all the way to the bottom. You can go from the, from the, from the height of heights to the bottom in about six months if you overextend yourself so much with credit and expenses and you could find yourself unable to pay your rent, unable to pay your mortgage and end up with a, you know, eviction or foreclosure, a car being repossessed or just having no money, no cash to do anything. You know, my mother taught me a really good lesson in finances and I, and I learned now that as an adult that my, my, my philosophy as it relates to financial emancipation doesn't just come from my education, doesn't just come from my work experience. It comes from my mother who really taught me that 
You don't have to live to your dollar. Every dollar you have, you don't have to live to. And you don't have to worry about the expectations of others. I think I've told this story before, but I remember being like a preteen and at that point going to school in different parts of Queens and, you know, not just in my neighborhood. So going to other friends' houses. I have friends who live deep in Richmond Hill. I had friends who lived, you know, in Rosedale, places that are nicer parts of Queens than where I lived. And I remember coming home and saying to her, you know, I why do we have to live here? You have a good job. You're an accountant. I know you have money because we live a good life. Why do we have to live here? Why can't we live in a nicer part where every, when my friends, when they come visit, they won't think that we live in the hood? Why can't we live there? And, you know, as much as I think back now, that must have been a really like offensive statement to make as a, as a you know, 11 year old, basically telling your mother, you don't like where y'all live. She didn't do the thing that a lot of mothers do is like, you need to be grateful for what she didn't do that. She didn't tell me about what I need to be grateful for because she recognized I was 11 and I didn't understand gratitude just yet. She broke it down in a way that I could understand. She said to me, you, you, you're absolutely right. I can't afford for us to have a house in Rosedale or in these nicer parts. But if we do that, we cannot have a car. We will never go on vacation. You will not have brand new clothes every season. We won't be able to do the things that you like to do. All we will have is a nice house. And all we will have is the ability for other people to look at us and think we're living good. But we won't actually be living good. She's like, our house is nice. It is clean. It is together. It is well done. You are safe here. Those are the things that matter. And we live in a house that we can afford so that we can live a life that we want to live. And yes, the neighborhood is not, you know, the same as the other neighborhoods or the house is not as big as other people's houses. But we are here, we are comfortable, we have what we need, and this is the way we can live the life that we want. You can have the things that you want and we can have a well-rounded life without having to be focused on only having the things that make other people think we have a well-rounded life. That lesson permeated in my brain and it is how I live my life today. I talked to my sister about it. It's like we both got that lesson in a way that's so deep and again it's just like it, it, it's such a powerful thing to know that you don't have to do things to keep up with other people keeping up with the joneses is stupid you need to live the life you can afford you should always be living below your expenses you don't have to live to every dollar you have and then some because it won't last for a long time you will at some point be forced to make sacrifices you don't want to have to make when you could just make them early, make them in advance, make them like my mother did and said, you know what? I have two choices. I can buy a house here or I can buy a house there. You know, what? I'm going to buy a house here. I'm going to buy a smaller house and I'm going to make this work because when she bought this house, my sister and I were kids. We were small. We grew into teenagers and we live in a, uh, the house was small. The bedrooms were small and we made it work. We actually added in my cousin to live here and every other person who needed a place to live lived in this house that was small and we made it work because you make it work. And it wasn't as if we made it work as if we were eating, you know, you know, cat food. No, we made it work because we had a good life and we went on multiple vacations and I and I was able to do things when I was in school. And then when it was time for me to go to college, it was not even a debate. Here's the money. Pay your rent. Do she had these things because she made the sacrifice to say, you know what, I'm going to live. I'm going to live to what I can afford rather than trying to live to someone else's standards. We can all be served by that lesson because when you try to live to other people's standards and not to what you can afford, you will in fact find yourself drowning in a financial abyss. So that's the lesson for today. 
I wanted to tell that story and give that little lesson, which is that you don't need to keep up with the Joneses. You need to keep up with anyone. You need to live to what you can afford. And living to what you can afford, you will always be in a better situation. You will always be in a better situation financially. So I'll leave it there. Um, if you haven't already done so, please head on over to Instagram and follow me at the Financial Emancip- Emancipation. Follow me on Facebook at Financial Emancipation. Follow me on Twitter at FIN Emancipation. Follow me on the YouTube page, Financial Emancipator. And if you have any questions for me, feel free to send me an email, Malik, M-A-L-I-E-K, at thefinancialemancipation.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you'll be back tomorrow as we continue to discuss the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Have a great day.